0: you're listening to the sl podcast a podcast from the spiritual life team at liberty christian school to equip and empower the next generation to love people bear fruit and make disciples what's going on everybody luke crenshaw in the podcasting studio hosting the sl podcast for the first time i'm here with my good friend Braden brown what up podcast world Braden? First time sitting in the seat that you usually sit in, not the physical seat because we're sitting in the same seats, but actually hosting
1: the metaphorical seat,
0: the metaphorical seat. So it's my first time sitting in the host seat. And I really can't help but think of all the Survivor I've been watching wrapping Christmas presents. And I'm, I'm tempted to go Jeff Prost right now.
1: Jeff Prost, meaning the host of the show Survivor,
0: the host of the show Survivor. He's not here in the studio folks, but I'm just tempted to, you know, that would maybe be cool if he was yeah that would be awesome a quick little taste maybe like braden in this podcast fire represents your life when your fire's gone so are you i guess it wouldn't really be fire though it it'd probably be your microphone right Beca- if your
1: microphone is gone so are you because then when you're talking on the podcast then you start to and then your voice to
0: kind of braden where where are you going braden oh. braden oh no and, and we're back and he's back so There's no better way to transition into this. Quick question, quick question for you, Braden. Let's hear it. Okay, so here's the deal. Braden, walking around upper school, walking around middle school, I hear a lot of talk about this book called The Bible. And Mm. I mean, it's 2022. This Bible, this Bible, the Bible was written years ago. I feel like there's contradictions in it. I don't feel like it really always applies to me. I was watching on TikTok and they're just kind of picking apart the Bible. So, how do I know the Bible's actually reliable? How can I trust the Bible? Quick question for you.
1: Yeah, I think, I think that's a totally fair question to ask. Like, to be honest, not enough people are asking that question until they get confronted by someone who is going to ask that question, and then what do they have as a foundation to stand on? Um, and so I, I think that's a really good question for us to talk about today. Mm-hmm. Um, when I answer that question talking about what I believe about trusting the Bible as reliable, I use a system of five words to start with P— kind of to explain my belief that the Bible is accurate, trustworthy, and the Word of God. Mm. Now, these five arguments, on their own, none of these is enough to be convincing. Um, But when you stack these evidence one on top of the other, this provides a sure footing for our faith. And so um, I'm going to walk through those five Ps, and then feel free to ask any follow-up questions that you want. I'm ready, Um, man. Hit us. The first P is the word profession. So basically this argument is that the Bible professes, in itself that it is true and literally the words of god so that mm-hmm. comes from second timothy three sixteen, which says all scripture is breathed out by god is the words of god and profitable for teaching for a proof for correction and for training in righteousness you can also look at second peter one twenty one, which says for no prophecy was per- ever produced by the will of man but men spoke from god as they were carried along by the holy spirit now that's not a very convincing argument by itself It's basically the argument, uh, why should I believe the Bible? Because it says Mm. you should. And I think our generation and the generation of students that we have right now are really tired of that answer. Um, But when we stack those on the arguments that are to come, it might be more convincing. Um, And so the first P is profession. Second P is production. So the way that the Bible is structured is actually mind blowing. So we talk about the Bible as a book, but in reality, The Bible is 66 different books making up a library. Um, Not only is it 66 different books, it is 44 plus different authors. It's written in three different languages, Greek, Mm -hmm. Hebrew, and Aramaic. It's written over a span of 1,500 years. But the crazy thing about all these dramatic differences is throughout the whole thing, it's one consistent story about a God and his plan to rescue and redeem his people through a perfect savior, his son, Jesus. And so... 66 books, 44 authors, three languages, 1,500 years, but literally one consistent story without contradiction. And that happening randomly is impossible. Mm. Um, And so, again, by itself, that's not enough um, to be convincing, but it truly is miraculous to even look at the table of contents of a Bible knowing these types of things um, about the production of it. Really good. So we got profession, production. The third one is preservation. Um, this is where we continue stacking up evidence and it becomes a little more convincing. Um, and so we honestly could do a whole entire episode on preservation on this P. Um, but manuscript evidence is what we're talking about when it comes to preservation. It's a huge deal in deeming if any historical document is accurate to the original. Mm. So basically what a manuscript is, if you don't know, it's, it's simply a, a handwritten copy of an original document. And so let's talk about some manuscript research here um, when it comes to historical documents. So for example, Plato, um, he was a philosopher. Um, His uh, writings that he has, we have seven manuscript copies. um, And the time between the original and the first copy was 1200 years. That's kind of the other um, thing in this scenario is it's one, how many copies? And then what's the distance in time between the original and the first copy? Because that kind of Um, can tend to tell us if it's accurate or not. Um, So Plato, seven copies, 1,200 years. Aristotle, another philosopher, super famous. Uh, He had a lot more evidence, so seven times as many copies, 49 copies over a time period of 1,400 years between the original and the first copy. Then we look at Homer, the Iliad, really famous book that Mm -hmm. people study in school, um, in high school, all over the place. Has a ton more evidence, 643 manuscript copies, and the distance is only 500 years between the original and the first copy. So that's that's really good. And no one questions the historical reliability of Homer's Iliad. Yeah. But let's take a look at the New Testament, right? Let's compare that with our New Testament documents. And we have 5,600 manuscript copies of the New Testament. And the first one is less than 100 years from the original. Mm. So it's almost nine times as many copies as Homer's Iliad, but we never question the historical reliability yeah. and the accuracy of the Iliad, let alone Aristotle and Plato. Mm. And so that, that's another convincing thing that, that says, hey, you know, this, we say these things are reliable, and we have even more evidence for the New Testament, for our, our Bible, that it's more accurate to the original.
0: Yeah. So real quick, just a quick review before you yeah. dive into that fourth piece. So we have Come profession— on bible professes itself that it's true it's the literal words of god we've got production 66 books 44 plus authors three languages and then you just hit preservation which heavily talks heavily uh talks about the manuscript evidence and the new testament just far exceeds anything else that we don't question right okay So hit me with that fourth P right now.
1: Yeah, the fourth P is prophecy. And I think, I think this one might be my favorite of all the evidences. Um, so basically prophecies fill the Bible, um, especially the Old Testament. And a, a prophecy is simply a foretelling of a future event before it happens. So telling the future um, before it occurs. Um, and there was a professor at Westmont College, and his, name, um, his name's Peter Stoner. Um, and he did a study on these prophecies using, using the science of probability. Um, so he sought to find out what is the probability of one man fulfilling the major prophecies made about the Savior mm-hmm. in the Bible. Um, so I'll attach an article in the in the show notes detailing the findings, but here are a few of the keys um, from that article that I think are really important for us. So what Stoner found is that the probability of one man fulfilling only eight prophecies was estimated to be 10 to the 17th power. Now that that number is... Massive, but it's kind of hard for us to tell like what that actually means. Yeah Um, And so to illustrate how large that is Let me give you the scenario that peter stoner used He said this is like covering the entire state of texas two feet deep in silver dollars so 10 to the 17th power silver dollars and marking just one out of all of them and then stirring up all of them across texas and then blindfolding a man asking him to travel anywhere he wishes and pick up one coin and that one coin being the one out of all of them that is marked, that's one and,
0: lucky. That's one lucky guy right there.
1: Right, that's that's the probability of eight.
0: <laughs> that's crazy.
1: Prophecies being fulfilled by one man out of the prophecies listed, and what's crazy is that's statistically impossible. But in the Bible, we find conservatively that Jesus has fulfilled over three hundred, mm. and it's impossible to do eight. And so this is even further evidence it's incredible. Um, that Jesus is who he says he is, that the Bible is what we claim it to be. Um, and a lot of these prophecies that he's fulfilling are out of his control. Like Micah 5, 2, the, the fact that the Savior would be born in Bethlehem. Yeah. You as a human have no control over where you're born. Mm-hmm. And yet he fulfilled the prophecy that was made hundreds of years before perfectly. Mm. And so I think that's a, a super um, good test. Um, and provides a lot of evidence that the Bible is what we claim it to be. Um, and so we've got profession, uh, production, preservation, prophecy, and then fi- the final P is personal testimony. Yeah, That the words of this book or this group of books have dramatically changed my life, have changed your life, um, and these words on a page have changed every single thing about me. Mm-hmm. Right? It's brought me joy in the midst of pain and peace in the midst of chaos. And so when you start to to add all of these evidences on top of one another, profession, production, preservation, prophecy, and personal testimony, like then you have a true foundation to stand on for our faith. Yeah. And it's not to remove any question or any doubt or any of those things, but it is to give us an opportunity to have an instructed faith, not a blind faith. Um, and I think it's more than convincing for me. Um, When it comes to do I trust that the Bible is actually the words of God, that it's reliable to the original, my answer is unequivocally yes. Mm. I do.
0: Yeah. Bro, great job. Five Ps right there, starting with profession, going into production, preservation, prophecy, and then finally personal testimony. And I'll just say a quick bit about personal testimony. I've heard it said that you can't read this book and not be changed, and I've Mm -hmm. seen that in my life. I know you've seen it in your life as well. When it comes to questions about the reliability of the Bible, I would just challenge the listener, we serve a good God and he can handle big questions. And I think it's Augustine who says that the the word of God doesn't have to, you don't have to defend the word of God. It's like a lion, just let it loose. So, Brayden, any closing thoughts that you'd want to leave our listeners with?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think biggest closing thought that I have is kind of like you said that I think this is a question we need to be asking Mm. and questions like this um, even if we like we claim to believe this is true I think this is a question we should ask now Mm. um, to explore to study so that when we get confronted with somebody asking us this question we actually don't only know what we believe but we know why we believe it because I think what happens is a lot of people that go to places like Liberty um, they they know what they believe until they get out in the real world, into college, into things like that, and they get asked questions that they they don't know the why. Um, and so I think my biggest encouragement for our students, for our listeners, is man, dive into these questions now, build up a foundation for why you believe what you believe, so that when you get to college, when you come in front of people who are going to challenge you, man, you you know what you believe already, um, and that. I think that will save people a lot of heartache, a lot of pain, and doubt, and confusion moving forward.
0: Mm. Great stuff, Braden. Great stuff. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Quick Questions. I don't think there's any better way to end this podcast session than saying one thing, Braden. The tribe has spoken.
1: Thanks for tuning in to the SL Podcast. For updates on new content and episodes, follow us on Instagram at LCS Spiritual Life. And as always, love people, bear fruit, make disciples.